Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. On this day in 2000, Robert Bobby Glass pled guilty to killing Sharon Lepotka in the throes of passion. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Molly Brandenburg of Conspiracy Theories. Every Monday and Wednesday, she digs into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and searches for the truth. She's here to discuss the details of the investigation into Bobby Glass, while I'll cover the narrative of the crime itself. Due to the graphic, violent nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual activity and consensual torture, which some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to jump into Bobby Glass's story. Now let's go back to rural Lenore, North Carolina, on the morning of Thursday, January 27th, 2000. Forty-eight-year-old Robert Frederick Glass, known as Bobby, was led to the courthouse from the Caldwell County Detention Center. He'd spent the previous three years behind bars there, held without bail. Bobby took the stand, wearing thick glasses, his long, graying beard nearly touching his blue suit. He was an unassuming man, and before he was arrested, he had an unassuming job. For 16 years, he worked as a computer analyst for the Catawba County government, programming tax rolls, tracking the gas consumption of county vehicles, nothing out of the ordinary. Until a few years back, his personal life was similarly pedestrian. He lived with Sherry, his wife of 14 years, and their three young children. But early in 1996, Sherry discovered some alarming emails on Bobby's hard drive, messages she later described as raw, violent, and disturbing. Shortly thereafter, Sherry left him, taking their kids with her. With his family gone, Bobby burrowed deeper into the recesses of the internet, using the moniker Slow Hand. At that point in the mid-90s, the World Wide Web was still a new phenomenon, but there were already plenty of message boards and chat rooms dedicated to virtually every imaginable topic of conversation. It wasn't long before he met someone special online. She went by Nancy Carlson, but her real name was Sharon Lepotka, and she shared some very specific, very graphic desires with Bobby. To put it plainly, she wanted to be tortured, tied up and strangled during intercourse, to the point of death. 
Sharon had met a few men online who expressed interest in granting her wish, but they all balked once they realized that she was serious, dead serious. Fortunately for Sharon, Bobby was willing to give her exactly what she so desperately wanted. In response to Sharon's fantasies, Bobby sent a detailed description of how he would make them a reality. Things escalated pretty quickly after that point. Their correspondence went on for weeks. Email allowed them to exchange messages instantly across the hundreds of miles that separated them. In their increasingly graphic missives, they detailed what they would do to each other when they met in person. After a month and a half, they decided to escalate from words and fantasies to action. On October 13, 1996, Sharon told her husband that she was going to Georgia to visit relatives. In truth, she caught a train from Baltimore to Charlotte, North Carolina. Bobby picked her up from the station around 9 p.m. that evening. He then drove her back to his trailer, parked 80 miles away in rural Lenore. Though they had spent the previous six weeks exchanging hundreds of sexually explicit emails, they didn't have sex on the first night. Perhaps they were getting a feel for each other, establishing a level of comfort before diving into the deep end. But by the second day, they got around to engaging in the activities they'd spent weeks fantasizing about. Bobby and Sharon spent the next two days acting out their violent sexual fantasies, using all manner of torture implements, including a length of nylon rope. On the evening of October 16th, Bobby wrapped the rope around her neck and tightened it as she reached orgasm. This was all according to plan. After weeks of correspondence and days of actually doing the deed, he knew she enjoyed it as he pulled the rope tighter and tighter until she died. So on that cold winter day in 2000, when the judge asked Bobby how he pleaded to the count of voluntary manslaughter, there was only one answer he could give. Guilty. Coming up, the groundbreaking investigation into the killing of Sharon Lepotka. Listeners, this month marks 60 years since John F. Kennedy became the 35th President of the United States, ushering his already prominent family into the highest enclaves of political power. But behind their storied successes lie secrets and scandals so severe, if it were any other lineage, they would have been left in ruin. This January, to commemorate this iconic milestone, dig into the dramas of a real-life American dynasty in the Spotify original from Parcast, The Kennedys. This exclusive series from Spotify features your favorite ParCast hosts, including me, covering every angle of the Kennedys from shows like Conspiracy Theories, Unsolved Murders, Crime Countdown, and others. Assassinations and conspiracies, corruption and cover-ups, international affairs, and extramarital ones, too. Examine all of the Kennedy family's most controversial moments, all in one place. You can binge all 12 episodes of this limited series starting on Tuesday, January 19th. Follow The Kennedys free and exclusively on Spotify. Now, back to the story. 
On January 27, 2000, Bobby Glass pleaded guilty to the voluntary manslaughter of Sharon Lopatka. My guest host, Molly, will take us through the investigation that sealed Bobby Glass's fate. Thanks, Vanessa. By October 20th, 1996, Sharon Lopatka's husband, Victor, was starting to feel nervous. His wife had been gone for a week, saying she was off to visit relatives. He hadn't heard from her since. Then, he discovered something that Sharon had left him in a note. She wrote that she wouldn't be coming back. And more disturbingly, she included that, if my body is never retrieved, don't worry. No, that I'm at peace. Victor immediately filed a missing person report. That same day, he also provided authorities with emails he found in Sharon's inbox from a mysterious figure who went by the name of Slowhand. The emails led authorities to Bobby Glass's trailer home in rural North Carolina. The local police began staking it out starting on October 22nd. Investigators hoped to catch some sign that Sharon was alive and well, but three days went by without a glimpse of her. Meanwhile, Bobby came and went, going to work and maintaining his daily routine as if nothing was amiss. And yet, the police were certain he was hiding something. On October 25th, a judge granted a search warrant for Bobby's trailer and the surrounding property. While he was at work, authorities executed the search and found personal items belonging to Sharon, as well as drug and bondage paraphernalia, child pornography, and a 357 caliber Magnum pistol. This was all concerning, but not quite a smoking gun. However, an officer noticed a mound of disturbed earth about 75 feet away from the trailer. Authorities dug in the area and discovered the decaying remains of Sharon Lopatka's body just a few feet below the surface. The body had telltale abrasions along the breasts and neckline, and both the wrists and ankles were bound. The rope that had strangled her was still wrapped around her neck. Bobby was arrested while at work on the same day Sharon's body was discovered. He was promptly charged with murder in the first degree and taken to the Caldwell County Jail, where he was held without bail. With their suspect behind bars, investigators prepared for trial. As they worked, they were nearly overwhelmed by the amount of digital evidence they found. All told, they recovered nearly 900 pages of email correspondence between Bobby and Sharon. Beyond the sheer volume of messages, the content of the emails was incredibly damning. Sharon had explicitly asked Bobby to torture her to death. While this might seem like an open and shut case, prosecutors were in uncharted territory. It was 1996 and email and online messaging was all quite new. In fact, this was reportedly the first case where police arrested a murder suspect primarily on email evidence. As such, investigators and prosecutors were unsure how to handle the hundreds of pages of emails they recovered as evidence. They didn't know how a jury would interpret them. 
Even though the prosecution undoubtedly had a strong case for a murder charge, they didn't want to take any chances. So they settled on a plea deal for voluntary manslaughter, plus federal charges for the child pornography found in Bobby's trailer. Ultimately, he was sentenced to just over two years behind bars, but he wouldn't make it that long. On February 20th, 2002, Bobby Glass was found unresponsive in his cell at the Avery Mitchell Correctional Institution. He had suffered a heart attack and was declared dead. But his story didn't end there. Sharon Lepotka's family had agreed to the plea arrangement in part because they wanted to avoid the increased publicity of a full trial. Unfortunately, the sensational nature of the crime still attracted attention from the media and in online forums. Much of the coverage focused on the dangers of meeting people from the internet, playing up people's fears of the new phenomenon. Debates even arose about whether the internet should be censored to prevent women like Sharon from falling prey to violent men like Bobby. Today, these debates have become moot. There's no way to censor the World Wide Web, even if we tried. There are online corners for every topic imaginable, and it's easier to meet and chat with people than ever before. So one just has to be careful when sharing our deepest, darkest fantasies with people online. You just might find someone who wants to make them come true. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Molly, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find my show, Conspiracy Theories, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nani Okwalagu, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Vanessa Richardson. Fact, fiction, fame. Discover the real story behind one of history's most formidable families in the Spotify original from Parcast, The Kennedys. Remember, you can binge all 12 episodes starting on Tuesday, January 19th. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify.